Hello, and welcome to In All Things, a podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a global movement of Evangelical Presbyterian churches. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. Our prayer is that God uses Dean and his guests to both inform and inspire you about how God is working in and through the EPC. The motto of our family of churches is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. Thank you, Rachel, and welcome everybody to In All Things, a podcast of the EPC. And we're delighted to have you join us again, whether you're listening as we drop this live, which we hope to do every Friday for those in the EPC, or perhaps because it's there for all posterity, you're going back at some point in time because you've heard there's great information here that would be helpful to you and your congregation. You're going back and following the advice of a friend and and checking us out. Whatever it is, we're glad that you're here with us, and we obviously hope that you will pass the word along to others. This podcast exists to help, initially at least, congregations in the EPC learn more about the EPC, and not just for the purpose of gaining new information, but information that's going to be empowering and helpful to them. And that's going to be especially true today because our guest today, Bart Francisconi, is our Executive Director of Benefits Resources Incorporated. We'll talk more about that in one second, what, our, what BRI is, but it is a, a way to uh, help resource our congregations. Uh, we hope to have a number of uh, visitors with us over the next number of weeks from the Office of the General Assembly leaders in various capacities in the denomination to hopefully give you information that would be really, really helpful to you. I think on our first podcast, we introduced you to some members of our national leadership team, and you had the chance to hear from them what the NLT is and does. We're, we're not taking for granted that everybody out there knows everything about the EPC, and there's a lot of ways in which uh, your General Assembly serves our presbyteries and local congregations, and we want to be able to platform those kind of opportunities for you to um, learn more about that as we go along. But as I said before, today we're very excited to have in the studio with us as we are doing our podcast. I believe this is our second podcast, and we're excited about that. Uh, We're excited to have Bart Francisconi here with us. And Bart is, as I mentioned, the executive director of our benefits program here at the EPC. BRI is really comprehensive. And I'd have to say in my short period of time, as I've been the stated clerk, it's been one of my greatest and joyful surprises and learnings. It's always kind of been in the background. I kind of knew it was there. And and obviously, um, my family benefited from being a part of that. But honestly, in our household, uh, my wife, Beth, is the one who pays attention to those things more perhaps than I have. But since getting here and knowing BART, I've not only realized that the services BRI provides are much more comprehensive than I ever appreciated, but what I, what I really have been impressed with was the servant's heart in which the way in which BART and his staff serve our teaching elders and the staff of our congregations through this benefits program, and we're going to learn more about that today. Let's dig in. Uh, Bart, first, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? You've actually just shared, we just had your fourth anniversary in this position back in early October, late September, and so, but before that, you've had a long history in this kind of field, which is part of the reason why you were at the top of the pack in terms of the BRI board hiring you. Uh, You bring so much wealth of experience to this position. So tell us a little bit about your family and then dig right into your background and what led you to BRI. 
Thanks, Dean. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come here and just share a little bit with uh, everyone out there about benefit resources and what we do and the resources that we have. As you said earlier, it's always been in the background for you, but I think it needs to be moved a little bit more to the foreground because there's a lot of good things people can do, particularly of a preventative nature and caring for themselves that we offer that we can get into during this discussion. But by way of background for me, I have three children. They're adults now, 31, 29, and 23. And uh, they're scattered all over the place. Uh, my son's in Delaware. My other daughter is in Wisconsin. And uh, I have another daughter who was working in New York, and, and COVID drove her south to Florida. Uh, and she came down to stay with us for, for a while at least. I'm uh, sure that mom is not terribly disappointed. <laughs> yes and no. Uh, when, when she arrived, she explained to us that she was laying out some ground rules for us uh, uh, that we had to follow. Oh, along how with. the tide has turned. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. As far as my my personal background goes, I spent 25 years in health benefits administration, underwriting, risk management, insurance, all those skills I developed. And I think God was preparing me for this opportunity because I I reached a point where I was getting a little weary in the commercial world and uh, a little stressed and uh, made a decision that uh, maybe God could use my skills elsewhere. And then this opportunity arose, which which was fantastic. And I think it's just such a good match because I can bring a lot to the table here and I can serve those that serve the Lord, which which is a passion of mine. And you do that so incredibly well, Bart. So grateful that the Lord has directed your path that way because we're all the beneficiaries of it. I am the beneficiary of it. And I hope this podcast helps gets the word out so that others realize how the Lord can use you and BRI to bless folks. And it is one of the distinctives about the EPC. This is not to say anything disparaging about other denominations. Uh, We all have our kind of unique place in the kingdom and and contribute what we can. But a denomination our size to have its own benefits program that is self-funded, and we'll talk more about that a little bit down the road, but this, it's pretty unique. I mean, uh, other denominations that I'm, I know of that are comparable size to ours, they don't have such a thing. And so their pastors are kind of left and the churches are kind of left with trying to figure that out on their own. And that can mean a, a real loss of coverage or care or well-being for our pastors. And I think, boy, in addition to discovering the great work of BRI, one of the other great learnings for me uh, in these first number of months has been how much stress our, our pastors are under. There's just a tremendous amount of physical spiritual, emotional, uh, you know, when we talk about wellness and the fullness of their being, they're, they're just getting hit from all sides. And I have a deep passion for wanting to care for our pastors well. What BRI does is, is a huge, huge part of that. So just want to get that out there so people know that this is part of a, a larger strategy. So Bart, I just want to dig in a little bit. Tell us uh, some of your preliminary observations. Uh, you've been now with the program for about four years, and there's probably some things you've observed early on that would be maybe even surprising to people out there. So from your chair where you sit, tell us some things that perhaps we don't know about BRI and some of your observations. Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Dean. One one observation initially was that I think a lot of folks didn't recognize the fact that we are the EPC, we don't contract these services out to a third party. You know, we're, we're not delegating everybody and just throwing everybody over to some insurance company to process their claims. We are the EPC plan here. 
we administrate, we establish our own that's custom re- That's plans. really important. I mean, I just yeah. want to press pause there for a second yeah. because we could blaze right over that because there are other names like the people we invest in or the people that provide healthcare coverage that you could kind of think you're just throwing us over to, to those groups and you're just a pass through. But the EPC plan really is particularized. It really is. It's not only ethical, but it's designed in-house. And what I love about it is when people call with questions they're getting you, they're getting one of your staff, they're getting real people because this is the EPC plan. Absolutely. And and we're here to serve, not to push somebody over to, to a third party. And same thing with our retirement plan. It is a unique plan for us. So tell us more about that retirement plan. Um, you know, I've, I've started paying closer attention to that as I've yeah. gotten into my yeah. 50s now. I yeah. think a lot of us start going, okay, we need to be thinking about that more. There's some things that the participants in this plan really need to be more engaged in. As you observe the plan, you realize people maybe aren't as uh, aware of some things as maybe they should be. What are the services that are available to them and what are ways in which they could be taking advantage of them? Sure. And just to to back up just a little bit, because I wanted to make one other point there earlier. In both of our programs, the health program and the retirement plan, most people just ask me questions about the retirement plan because they're 64 years old and they're ready to retire. And I get a phone call that says, you know, what what should I do? I'm getting ready to retire. You know, do I have enough money and et cetera. And same thing with the health plans. Most people just see the health plans as something to deal with when they get a diagnosis, when, when they get bad news at a doctor or when they just have to go, I'm ready to fight with my insurance company now because I've got this, this claim. And, and both the health plan and retirement plan are meant to be a lot more than that. And, and I think that the more our constituents recognize that, the better it will be for their personal health and well-being as well as their, their financial health and well-being. And, and like anything in life, yeah. being proactive is way better than being reactive. Just a little ounce of prevention goes a long way towards the other thing. So if you start planning for your retirement ahead of time, it pays off big dividends. If you know what's available in your health care plan, especially by way of wellness, you can head off some of those more difficult health issues. So, uh, so let's go back to retirement again. We're going to talk about healthcare and retirement because those mm-hmm. are kind of the two component pieces. But let's talk about retirement because there's some things that I was surprised. There's there's things people that are really basic that they don't know or aren't taking advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. Especially people who maybe come from a pension plan environment where someone else is managing that. But we have what's called a defined contribution plan, which means money going into the account belongs to the plan participant. It's their money. It's portable. They, they can move it if they want it to. And they're responsible really to make sure it's being properly invested. And there are a lot of vehicles there. We've hired Fidelity Benefits, who is a national firm with great expertise to be what's called our record keeper. So they manage the accounts for each of our plan participants. And what most people don't realize is they have great opportunities to tap into some tremendous resources there through Fidelity. Anybody that wants to can meet with a licensed financial advisor. They can pick up the phone, they can make an appointment, they can get on that call, and they can talk to a financial advisor, and they can get direction. They can ask questions. They can say, how am I doing moving toward retirement? They can explain to the advisor, I'd like to retire when I'm you know, 72 years old or 65 years old. How am I on target for that with what I have? Are my investments properly distributed for somebody in my age range? You know, a younger person can take more risk. As we get older, we don't want to take as much risk because if the stock market drops 20%, we don't want to see our retirement fund drop 20%. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> we don't want to put that out yes. there. Yes. 
and incidentally, we've had tremendous growth in our plan. The, the last 19 months, 19 months ago, when COVID broke out, no one knew what the future was going to be. And yet we've had most accounts have grown by about 30 to 35 wow. percent in the past 19 months yeah. in terms of their value. Uh, and, and that's tremendous. And I know Fidelity has been very responsive. I have my own personal financial planner and I encourage all of our pastors to, unless you're aces at this and you really, you know, understand the dynamics, having a financial planner is a really, really smart move, getting on a good budget, doing some smart stewardship things. You do it for the church, you should do it for yourself. But my financial planner being able to call Fidelity getting that information, customizing my retirement plan, all of that information is exceedingly helpful. So there aren't any reactions or surprises uh, when you get to, you know, 67 and a half or whatever, 65 and a half or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so in addition to the availability of a, a, a licensed financial planner, we do monthly webinars. We'll pick a different topic each month and they're custom for the EPC plan participants. Mm -hmm. So it's only EPC plan participants that participate in the webinar. What would be an example of one of those, Bart? Planning for college expenses, uh, planning for unexpected expenses, uh, car accident, you know, you need to replace your car, that that sort of a thing. Financial planning 101 or investing 101 sort of a thing. And that's all available through the EPC. Yeah. So you can look in our newsletters once a month or online we, we hold a webinar that is, is really run by Fidelity. And those participating in the webinar have an opportunity to have, you know, one-on-one discussions or discussions with other plan participants that are on the same call. If you can't make the monthly webinar, there are basically stock webinars that have been recorded that you can tap into any time of the day or night, wow. pick your topic, and, and listen to the webinar. I'm confident that most of our people don't have no idea yeah. that that's available to them. What a great resource. Yeah, absolutely. And the important thing is you want to get engaged early. You know, I had a great conversation with about five young pastors out at the General Assembly this year, and they were all in their late 20s, early 30s, and they were probing about what should we be doing today to make sure that we're going to be set to retire when the time comes. And um, it it was a great discussion. And the, the point is, wherever you're at right now, if you're 55 and you've never had the discussion it's time, you know, have one, see if you're on target. If you're 35, <laughs> just as important, you know. Yeah. One of the questions that seems to be reoccurring again and again and again, and uh, I know as you've talked to some of the presbyteries, you've heard it, I've heard it. Help us understand a little bit about the tax exemption or the housing expenses for ordained pastors who are participating in the EPC plan. There's, there's some information about that that maybe some people don't know about, particularly when you get into retirement? Absolutely. I think many get it confused with the ministerial housing allowance, which is something that that happens as part of the salary and benefit package when a pastor comes on board and they're living in a manse or they're living in their own home and they're receiving a housing allowance. That's different than this tax exemption we're talking about. That is, the tax exemption we're talking about is available to any ordained minister who is participating in a church plan. Our plan is called a 403B9, which designates it as a church plan. So any ordained minister in our plan can take advantage of this opportunity. So once they reach 59 and a half and they can draw money out of their retirement plan without penalty, they're able to take money out that's used for housing expenses, mortgage payments, home improvements, Mm -hmm utilities, real estate taxes, things like that. When they take that money out, 
they can declare on their tax return that they use it for housing expenses, and it is removed from their income, and they do not pay federal income wow. taxes on it. Wow. And they can do that from the time they're 59 and a half until, <laughs> until the end of the line. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, you opened the door, so I'm going to go there briefly. A lot of our retired pastors aren't aware of the fact that they can continue to get a housing allowance uh, deference in terms of their uh, income. Uh, could you explain that a little bit? Because we've had some calls on that too. Sure. As far as the, the tax exemption goes, even though they're not actively a minister, as long as they were a minister and they're retired, they can take advantage of it. It doesn't end when they stopped actively working. So if they're 85 years old, you know, they can go ahead and take money out. They've got to make their you know, annual real estate tax payment for $4,000. They can roll that $4,000 out of their account. They can pay the real estate taxes with it, and then they do not have to pay income taxes on that income that they rolled out. Okay. I don't think most people realize in retirement that that can still continue. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, let's switch a little bit to the health uh, benefits side of things, Bart. So let's start with the obvious. How, how have we <laughs> fared through the COVID uh, epidemic? This has been unprecedented times, and uh, it has put you and your team on your toes probably in a way in which you could have never even imagined. So uh, how do we stand right now? How is your team doing? How, how are our participants doing? Yeah, a gr- great question. And, you know, fortunately, I had a lot of experience, and I had uh, handled over $300 million worth of health insurance risk in the past. And I, I fared through some some storms of uh, new medications coming out that were extremely costly and, and other illnesses where, where we had to look at that risk and, and figure out what that meant and, and what it was going to cost us and things like that. In this case, it was such an unknown. I mean, it was scary for a few weeks there when COVID first hit and we didn't know we were going to have hundreds of people hospitalized and, and numerous deaths and things like that. And we didn't know what other side effects would be there that long-term would change things. Very fortunately, and, and I think God bless us in this area, uh, we, we did not have one serious COVID case uh, until recently, actually, believe it or not, just within the past few months, we did have one case finally. But, but throughout the first 14 or 15 months, we actually spent more on preventative, on the vaccines, on COVID testing and things like that than we spent on actually, uh, you know, cost of caring for uh, a COVID patient. So, so that, that's great news. In yeah, that praise regard. God for yeah. that. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I never thought we'd be sitting at this point talking that way. Uh, that's, that's gotta be the Lord's provision. So. Yeah. And w- what was also an unexpected outcome there was that because people were being so cautious and everybody was, you know, isolating themselves, uh, you know, d- during the worst cases, the flu season was virtually non-existent. Mm. Everybody's wearing masks. Everybody's washing their hands. No one was getting the flu. People were working from home, so no one was getting in car accidents. So what happened was all the other claims actually dropped considerably mm. as, as a result of that. I just want to go on the record that I already got my flu shot for this year. So because I, I think the flu season may be a little bit different this year. Yeah. Um, yeah so I think absolutely. we've got to be prepared for that. Yeah. So uh, we prepared for and hoped we wouldn't have any kind of catastrophic outcomes out of the uh, COVID crisis, um, and God provided for us graciously. But we are a self-funded plan. So first of all, I might want to explain a little bit about what that means for people if they're not familiar with that kind of terminology. But then the the question for those who understand what a self-funded plan is, is, well, what happens if there was a series of 
budget-busting, catastrophic uh, kind of things that occurred. How, how would we handle that? There's, there's two, two terms for it, self-funded and self-insured. And I think self-insured is a little bit better of a term for it. Okay. Basically, the, the premiums we charge are intended to cover the claims costs that, that we incur. And it's, it's cyclical. You know, you'll have good months, you'll have bad months, you'll have good years, you'll have bad years. So we have set aside, uh, when we have a good year, we set aside those extra funds in a, in a reserve fund. And we have a very substantial reserve fund right now. It's also enjoyed the benefit of the, the, the gains in, in, in the markets right now. So it's, it's grown considerably dis, despite the pandemic. But uh, aside from that, we do purchase insurance. It's called stop-loss insurance. And simply stated, if someone has a catastrophic situation, there's a cap on the claims that we would need to pay. And then the insurance company picks up the rest of those claims. So between the insurance we buy and the reserves we have, we're, we're very stable as a program. We've got plenty of reserves, and um, our risk is limited because we have this extra insurance on top of it. So I'm going to press pause there in a second because uh, I think this is a good time to insert a story or an antidote, if you will. That reserve plan, uh, that reserve fund that's there. If you're into finances, that's encouraging to hear that we're planned and ready and prepared for those kind of eventualities. It gives a high degree of confidence in our involvement in the plan. But if you take that reserve fund and you take what we call the medical benevolence fund, which is another fund inside the EPC to help in kind of emergency situations. One of the things I've appreciated about you, Bart, is you'll come to my office and say, hey, we've got this pastor and uh, they've got a child who's got a catastrophic illness, maybe leukemia or cancer. And, and because of some things with a previous healthcare company, there's a, there's a huge bill standing there. And, and you, you champion that family and you go to the insurance companies and you try to get the cost down. But then we had a case recently where uh, you and I had this conversation and we realized we had a young pastor and family with a child that had one of these more catastrophic illnesses and they were carrying a huge debt that based on the church where they were serving, which is a small kind of rural church. They didn't have the capacity to pay the pastor enough that that they'd be able to make any kind of headway in a in a debt like a medical debt like this, including, you know, they've got college debt and they've got seminary debt. Now they've got this unforeseen huge medical debt. And you came to me with an offer to help get rid of that debt from this reserve fund, which is a, you know, that's an unusual thing to do. And the medical benevolence fund was able to kind of match that. So we were able to go back to that family and say, look, we're, we're going to wipe out your debt on this. And we can't do that every time. Can't do that all the time. But this was one of those occasions where we, we had the capacity to do it. Can you just speak about, like, as you look, I mean, you're looking at numbers all the mm. time, but you know behind yeah. those numbers are people and families and stories like this. And having the Lord bless us with a reserve fund or a medical benevolence fund enables us to do things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a financial guy first. I'm a, I'm a numbers cruncher. It's it's in my gene somewhere, uh, and I do have to remind myself that it's not just numbers. It's it's people and it's compassion. And w- when I see these situations arise, you know, it it does touch my heart. And and the fact that we're not beholden to some outside company that tells us what we can do with our plan makes a big difference. And we can talk, like you say, we looked at two funds there. We had the medical benevolence fund, and then we had our reserves. And we realized if, if we joined together, you know, we, we could cut the debt in half for each of us and then resolve that person's situation. 
and we've had a, a number of similar situations over the years that it's been it's been great to just be able to to react and and show a care and love that, that we can do because again we're, we're it's our own program yeah and if nothing else today those of you who are listening didn't know we have a medical benevolence fund it could be that your pastor or uh, is in a situation where that kind of help would be really a blessing reach out to us that that's we're here to serve you and we're here to to bless you in that way as the lord has has blessed us well let's let's turn the corner here a little bit more in healthcare bart and talk about there's a lot of changes going on in the healthcare uh, services right now and we're making some adaptations uh, as well. And, you know, we want to do more than just provide uh, health care for people when they're sick. Obviously, we want to be able to do that. But there's some areas of concern that we see out there on the horizon that we're adapting to to try to serve people well with some of these changes that are occurring in the near future. Any thoughts on some of that? Yeah, absolutely. COVID brought out some interesting you know, we, we talked about what was expected in, in terms of potential catastrophic claims, which never materialized or at least still haven't. But it also brought out, you know, you know, the isolation has led to a lot of mental health issues, mm-hmm. a lot of development of anxiety and depression, alcoholism and, and you know, yep. sleep disorders and so on. Yeah. It also, it shifted the paradigm a little bit with healthcare because suddenly people were isolated, but they needed healthcare. So we, we moved to virtual primary care visits. That area is evolving. And sooner or later with your smartphone and things like that, you're actually going to be able to have a cardiologist appointment, that sort of thing, that's virtually. Mind, that's mind boggling yeah, if you think yeah, about that. Absolutely. And the, and the other aspect, which again, we're, we're focused on enhancing, is that as far as behavioral health, you know, mental health issues, there was always a reluctance, I believe, to publicly disclose issues. And because we were isolated, virtual visits to behavioral health specialists started to move to the forefront. And and now because, because there's a higher degree of confidentiality there. Yeah, more, more privacy and easier to do. We're seeing paradigm shift in how health benefits are delivered. And in the process of, of seeing that, we're adapting, you know, and moving in, in those directions. That's fantastic. Well, there's some other things that you guys are doing uh, in terms of um, the one that really interests me the most is this healthcare blue book. Tell us about the healthcare blue book. That's a pretty innovative concept. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. That's a program that we're introducing uh, January 1st of 2022 to all of our participants. And, and kind of like you have the blue book where you can look at the value of a car. Well, this gives you the opportunity to look at the value of healthcare providers, uh, of hospitals. For, for example, a, a hospital that is world-renowned for its cancer treatments. Well, if you need a hip replacement or heart valve work done, is that the right hospital to go to? The Healthcare Blue Book uh, identifies 35, I believe it's about 35 different clinical categories. So you can go look, for instance, at a hospital and see where it is ranked amongst those 35 categories in terms of quality of service and outcomes. So you won't be blind anymore in making a choice. If you come home with a diagnosis you didn't expect related to part of your body you didn't even know you had until you had the diagnosis, you, you would be able to look at the Healthcare Blue Book and you'd be able to find hospital in your area 
that not only provides the service, but also has a history of good outcomes. We go shopping for everything else, right? I mean, we to be able to have that resource that we can yeah. go to and, and say, okay, could be a pastor is new to an area and they, you know, I, I know a pastor who's getting ready to move his family across the country and they're going to in a whole new area to be able to look for pediatricians and look mm-hmm. for a dentist and look for all of those kind of things. And at the same time, you could be in a community for a long period of time and yet Things have changed, and you just need to know, hey, this hospital over here is really great when it comes to, you know, transplants, right. but it may not be the hospital you want to be in if, you're, if you've got cancer. Uh, and so right. you, even in your own community, you're able to shop for which is the best place given the particular diagnosis or issue that you're facing. Right, and the Blue Book has over 4,000 hospitals wow. listed and over 200,000 physicians so if you move into a new area, like you just said, and where is uh, the best obstetrician? <laughs> where is the best uh, cardiologist? Who is it? And what do his patients or her patients think of, of that particular doctor? And also talks about outcomes. And another tool with the Healthcare Blue Book that, that will be there is cost comparisons. Mm. Uh, f- for example, the most expensive place to go for outpatient care would be a hospital facility because the hospital facilities charge a significant amount just for using their facility. And it, it could be a difference of $1,000 if you're going through some routine cardi- cardiology-related te- tests, going to a, an outpatient standalone facility versus going to a hospital facility for the exact same services. And why is that important? Well, because if you're in a high-deductible health plan and you're paying a large deductible up front. Well, you don't want to go waste a thousand dollars you didn't need to spend. Or if even if you're in a, a coinsurance situation and you're paying ten percent or twenty percent of the cost of the service, well, you you want to shop a little bit. So the healthcare blue book will help also clarify those things. In addition to again telling you where the most successful outcomes are. So it's not just strictly a price decision. You need a major surgery. Find a hospital that has great outcomes. No readmissions things like that as a result of that that health condition and successful outcomes and the right price structure. Yeah. Are there a few other program enhancements that you guys are looking at going into this next year that you want to highlight for us? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I mentioned earlier that a health plan is more than just something you go to when you're sick. Okay, the most important thing really is preventative care and exercise. If you are skipping for for example one thing that covid has brought out is a lot of people didn't go get standard screenings cancer screenings things like that for 12 14 18 months at a critical time when they should be getting screenings so we are seeing unfortunately uh, an outbreak of more advanced stage cancers being diagnosed because no one went to get their preventative screening 12 16 months ago mm-hmm. and the the cancer has grown since. That's one of those kind of downstream effects of the pandemic that I don't think we've calculated yet is that that people put off a lot of those kind of things at their detriment. And if nothing else today, my hope is that we put those things on the front burner for folks, especially uh, as we come into the holiday season. There's a lot of behaviors, uh, particularly around food, (laughs) that that may not be our our best uh, wellness practices. But it's a time, hopefully, you know, maybe... um, uh, even if it's just after Christmas, or our pastors may be part of their New Year's resolution or whatever it might be, really are dedicated, I hope, to caring for themselves and their families. And, and not just thinking about themselves, but thinking about their spouses and their children and their congregations, their loved ones, by, by maybe marking out some time early in the new year 
to pay attention to some of these things that maybe they've put off for, for these other reasons. Right. And the program we're introducing is called My Active Wellness. And it involves both keeping healthy people healthy by encouraging them to engage in exercise routines, help them with their diet and their dietary habits, the things we all need to break in, the, in those regards, and also to give reminders about timely screenings, cancer screening and things like that. So we've introduced programs like this before and not had a whole lot of engagement. And, and I would encourage, just like you said, you know, we all kind of start our new year with resolutions. And this is a good one because you let yourself go Chronic pain is a big problem here, and part of that is just kind of a sedentary lifestyle where we're not actively taking care of ourselves. Uh, so getting this program in place, encouraging our, our plan participants to engage in it, and in certain ways as iron sharpens iron, you know, if you can have a little competition with the pastor across the way, you can see how many steps you've taken each day by looking at yeah. your smartwatches, and you can compare that data through this program. So that's a great program. Well, and if you, this is an audio podcast, not video. So if you can't see, Bart is in great shape, and he he's a hiker. He he, he practices what he preaches and and takes care of his wellness because he's a pretty active, uh, pretty active hiking guy. Just a comment there, Dean. I was not in this good a shape about ten years ago. And uh, I, I did set my mind to it, and it really turned things around. It was fantastic. Two other programs, just to mention briefly, a care management program, which focuses on about nine different disease states regarding, you know, heart disease, lung disease, th things like that. That program is may be put in place, which includes nurse health coaches, where you can talk to a nurse health coach and set up a program. We also have a program focused on diabetes and hypertension. That's big. There are two, hypertension is our most prescribed medication, that's high blood pressure. Wow. And diabetes, roughly one in three are diabetic or pre-diabetic. Mm. It's still preventable when it's pre-diabetic, and this program is a fantastic program. It's, it's nationally known through an organization called Livongo, so that's going to be put in place. We also have a maternity management program that's going to kick in on uh, January 1st. And a nice little feature, January 1st, is we're going to go with one ID card. Instead of having one for prescription and one for medical, you'll be able to go with one ID card. My wallet, and I thank you for that. <laughs> All right, so as we come down the home stretch here, Bart, there are some uh, big changes coming that honestly are, are not going to probably, most people aren't even going to realize it, but it but they will experience the greater benefits and the greater service. But uh, we're looking at switching administrators in 2022. Could you speak to us briefly about that? Sure, absolutely. And, and the reason we're doing that is we want to move forward with our program. And all these enhancements I just discussed are available through Maritain Health, which is who we're going to move over to. They're better at managing custom programs like ours. They're better at servicing plan participants, and they can provide us with all these programs like the Healthcare Blue Book that I just described. So we made the decision to make that move for those reasons. Now, should anybody be concerned uh, uh, about their doctor being in the network, and, and, and how do they go about checking that, and what should they do? If to Talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And, and at first, I want to assure everyone that our plans are not changing. They're our plans. We have five plans. The plan designs are staying the same. So in moving to a different administrator doesn't mean that our plans are changing. Same coverages, same co-pays as, as you had in 2020. important qualification sure. things. And then in terms of, yes, the provider network is changing. We did an analysis and we looked at 40,000 claims that we processed over the past two years. And we saw that 96% of those will be in network or would have been in network 
through the Aetna network, which is what Maritain Health uses. So the disruptions should be very minimal. But we have resources on our website and instructions. You can go online, you plug in the name of our network, and you can plug in the name of your doctor to see if they're in the network. And in probably you know 96% of the situations, the doctor will be. If they're not, you can reach out to our office. We can, through a provider nomination form for you, so that they can... And they can pursue that doctor to move them into the network. And the other important thing is continuation of care. I mean, if someone is in the sixth month of their pregnancy and it's one of those oddball situations where their doctor happens to not be in the network, we will provide continuation of care. There is no reason that that person can't continue with that doctor. If someone's in the middle of some other serious treatments, we, we will absolutely cover that as though that doctor is in network. And it would be highly unusual that that occurs, but there shouldn't be any concerns Anybody with concerns can just reach out to our office, and we, we will take care of that. So, I mean, again, 96% is exceedingly high, and I think even in our previous administrator, there was a percentage maybe as high as 5% that wouldn't, weren't covered for people because of Correct. different things. So, yeah. so it's pretty much a, a trade-off, but the thing I appreciate is that there's kind of an appellate process. That is to say, if someone finds for some reason that their doctor isn't, we have a process to go through to get them included in the network. And again, they call the EPC benefits office and they're getting a real person who's really going to bat for them and filling out that application and helping them so that that, that there is no loss in that regard. Right. And uh, people can go to our website and you go to 2022 section of the website. You can see all the information and resources that are available to instruction on how to check the network and look at it. I think it'll be minimal. Quite frankly, as you said earlier, there were that same percentage of out of network providers with our previous vendor with Highmark and the Blue Cross Blue Shield. And in fact, there are a number of doctors who were not in that network who are in this. I think it's going to be a gain for us. Absolutely. Well, um, we may come back in like six months and just circle back with you and say, so how's it going? (laughs) You know, what we'd like to see is more and more of our people contributing and being a part of the plan. It's to their benefit, obviously, to do that. Um, It's to all of our benefits uh, to do that. We're all, the plan is stronger and richer uh, as, as our participation rate grows. And um, there are some folks who are not participating in the plan. They're supposed to be. We're, we're not the benefits police, so we don't typically go out and, and hunt that down. But we do know that there are a lot of people who aren't participating in the plan that are supposed to be. And we want to highly encourage people to do that. For the reason being is it's a great value. It's a, it's a great plan. It cares for our pastors and their families really, really well. And uh, we want to make sure that that is at the highest level of priority. So, Bart, for all that you do in serving our pastors and their families, I just want to say thank you. Appreciate that. And just one quick item, Dean. You know, open enrollment is a great time to consider coming into our program. And we're in that right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. But if your church happens to be on a different year than a calendar year, we can, we can accept a church coming in at a different time of year as well. Okay, great. Thanks, great. man. All right, so let me close with this, friends. It's our reminder always, as we consider all things, particularly as they relate to the EPC, to be guided back to the Scripture and the one who has made all things. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. For he is the head of the body, the church. Until the next time, my friends, grace and peace be with you. 
you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.